You're listening to the Weekly Sermon Podcast from Liberty Family Church. For more information about our church, head to the website, libertyfamilychurch.net.au. Liberty Family Church and uh, it's great to be here together this morning and welcome if you're joining us online as well. As we gather together regularly we often look back at at what God has done since the beginning of time as we know it and we often examine God's interaction with man through through the Old Testament which declares God's promise of salvation despite our sinfulness. And we also take a lot of time wondering and marvelling at the, at the coming of Jesus Christ 2,000 years ago to deliver that salvation from sin for us. And we continually search the, the New Testament to reveal how God's salvation should be played out in our everyday lives and the church of Jesus Christ until he comes again. And that's the gospel culture that Joel has been talking about over the last couple of weeks. Well, this morning, I want to encourage you even further and perhaps beyond our wildest dreams by taking our focus past the past and beyond the present to the time when all of the past and all of the present reaches its final fulfillment in Jesus Christ. And that's the time when God's story reaches its happy ever after. And perhaps that's what you're looking for today. And perhaps that's what you need to hear today, that there is a happy ever after in store for us. This morning, I want to remind each one of us that Jesus is coming again. Jesus is coming again. And he's coming soon. You know, we get excited each New Year's Eve when fireworks light up the skies all over the world. And the Sydney Harbour coat hanger is one of the best examples of New Year's Eve fireworks to behold. Well, this morning I want to remind us from Scripture that Jesus is coming to light up the heavens and be marvelled at by all believers. Jesus is coming to light up the world like the world has never, ever seen before. And it's going to be a spectacle like the world has never seen before. And I want to capture your hearts this morning for that vision of Jesus returning and to remind and excite each one of us that Jesus is coming again. In the second letter to the church at Thessalonica in chapter 1, verse The Apostle Paul writes that Jesus will be revealed from heaven with blazing fire with his powerful angels on the day he comes to be glorified in his holy people. That's you and I. And marveled at among all those who have believed. Jesus is coming to be revealed from heaven in blazing fire with his powerful angels to be glorified by us and in us and to be marvelled at by us who have believed. And Paul adds in verse 10 that this includes you. This includes you, the Thessalonians, because you have believed our testimony to you. That's the testimony of the 
Apostle Paul and the other disciples concerning Jesus Christ to the Thessalonians and the other New Testament churches. But it also includes you and it also includes me if we have believed the Apostles' testimony. The Apostles' testimony as recorded in the pages of the New Testament in the Bible. And if you are yet to believe, if you are on that journey of spiritual truth, seeking spiritual truth, as Joel alluded to just a moment ago, then I want to challenge you this morning to put your belief this morning in the testimony of the apostles. So let's take a look together at the apostles' testimony and see if we can confirm and solidify our belief or if you're still searching, if you can create and begin a belief in the Apostle testimony that Jesus Christ is coming again. Because it's on the foundation of that belief that we can get excited that Jesus is coming again soon to light up the heavens with blazing fire and with his powerful angels to be glorified in his holy people and all of us who have believed. So where do you think a good place to start in the New Testament might be to explore the apostles' testimony? Well, why don't we start with the words of Jesus Christ himself? What did Jesus have to say about his return? So let's start with Jesus' words, Jesus' testimony as recorded by the apostles. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, just before his crucifixion, Jesus comforted his disciples with these words recorded by the Apostle John in his Gospel, chapter 14, verse 1 to 3. Listen to John's testimony of what Jesus had to say. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I am going there? Prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. Just before Jesus' death, Jesus reassured his disciples that when he left this earth and he would go to heaven to be with God the Father, that he would prepare a place for us. That's the new heaven, the new earth that God is preparing for us. And Jesus' promise is that he's coming back to take us to be with him, to take us into the new heaven, the new earth, to live in God's immediate presence. That's the testimony of Jesus, the words of Jesus recorded by the Apostle John. Jesus said that he's coming back for us. And the question for each one of us this morning is, can you, do you, and will you believe in him? Well, my answer is this. Jesus has never broken a promise, and he never will. Jesus' words are trustworthy and true. He cannot lie. And to prove it, listen to these words of Jesus recorded in Mark's Gospel. In Mark chapter 10, verse 32 and to 34, 
when they were on their way up to Jerusalem with Jesus leading the way and the disciples were astonished while those who followed were afraid. Again, he took the 12 aside and told them what was going to happen to him. We are going up to Jerusalem, he said, and the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and the teachers of the law. They will condemn him to death and will hand him over to the Gentiles who will mock him and spit on him, flog him and kill him. And three days later, he will rise. If Jesus can tell his disciples that he would be handed over to the chief priests and the the teachers of the law who would condemn him, mock him, spit on him, hand him over to the Roman Gentiles um, to be crucified, to die, and that on the third day he was going to rise again. If Jesus was good on his words for this matter, that he could truthfully prophesy his own death and resurrection, then it makes sense to believe that whatever Jesus promises or prophesies will be realised. So if Jesus says that he's coming back soon, then it makes perfect sense to put our faith in him. Again, in the, in the last book of the Bible, in the book of Revelations, Jesus' testimony through his angel to the Apostle John declares that he's coming soon. These are the words that the angel, that, that these are Jesus' words that the angel passed on to the Apostle John in Revelations 22 verse 20. He who testifies to these things, that's Jesus testifying to these things, he who testifies to these things says, yes, I am coming soon. So they're just two examples of Jesus' own words testifying that he's returning soon. And I put to you that Jesus only has to say something once to mean it. And If he says it twice, he really means it. But he really means it when he says it the first time. But sometimes we need to hear things more than once, don't we? So the apostles' testimony of Jesus' promise in his own words is that Jesus would return to take us to be with him in the new heaven and the new earth. But what else? What else did the apostles have to say and testify about the return of Jesus? And how reliable is their testimony? Well, let's turn to the book of Acts. And it's there that we'll find uh, the apostles' testimony of the ascension of Jesus to heaven. We just read Jesus' promise in John that he was going to prepare a place for us. And if he goes to prepare a place for us, then he'll return. He'll come back and take us to be with him. There are actually two promises there that Jesus made to his disciples and also to us. And the first promise is that Jesus would go to his father's house to prepare a place for us. Jesus promised his disciples that he would go to heaven to prepare a place for us. That's the first promise. But the second promise is that Jesus would return from heaven to take us to be with him where Jesus is, with God the Father in heaven, to to leave earth as we know it and to live in the presence of God in the new heaven and earth. And that's the second promise of Jesus. You know, we just reminded ourselves a minute ago that Jesus keeps his promises. 
Jesus kept his promise regarding his crucifixion and his resurrection. So if the the second promise is to believe that Jesus will return to take us to be with him in heaven, then the first promise also has to be believed. That first promise that Jesus would leave the earth to return to heaven to be with God the Father and prepare a place for us. So let's look a little bit further at the Apostles' testimony regarding these two promises of Jesus. Luke, the third gospel writer and the companion of the Apostle Paul, records this testimony of the Apostles in the book of Acts, chapter 1, verses 1 to 11. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised which you have heard me speak about. For John baptised with water, but in a few days you will be baptised with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After, this, after he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who, was, who has taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way that you have seen him go into heaven. So Luke records the testimony of the apostles, the disciples of Jesus, And the disciples witnessed the proof of the resurrection of Jesus after his crucifixion. According to the New Testament, Jesus presented himself to the disciples at least eight times, perhaps ten, over 40 days before his ascension to heaven, as recorded by Luke in the book of Acts. Luke says that Jesus presented himself to his disciples and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. Jesus walked with his disciples, he talked with his disciples, he ate with his disciples and he was seen by his disciples on many occasions over 40 days and at one time appearing to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters in Christ at the one time as the Apostle Paul records in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Now that's more than enough to be considered proof of life, not just a delusion or uh, an hallucination. 
You know, 500 people do not share the same hallucination at the same time. You know, people take all sorts of substances, uh, perhaps back then, but especially these days, and hallucinogenic, psychedelic substances, and they go on a trip. But the trip that they go on is a very lonely trip. It's all by themselves. No one shares that sort of trip with them. The proof of Jesus' resurrection was overwhelming, and it was more than enough to convince the disciples to obey Jesus' last command, the Great Commission, to make disciples of all nations at great cost, great suffering, and even at the expense of their own lives. And that Great Commission was given to the disciples in Galilee, and it was also repeated on the Mount of Olives, a village near the village of Bethany, just outside of Jerusalem just before Jesus was taken up into heaven before their eyes. Can you imagine yourself there with the disciples 2,000 years ago on the Mount of Olives? What an eye-popping, incredible experience that must have been. Jesus was taken up into heaven, leaving the earth before their very eyes. Jesus' resurrected body was lifted up from the earth on which he was standing and raised into the clouds and then hid from their sight. Eleven disciples witnessed this supernatural departure of Jesus into heaven. And they looked at intently at what they were seeing, what they were witnessing. And why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you be looking intently at what you were seeing? What an amazing sight. Perhaps they could barely believe their eyes what they were, what they were seeing. You know, this was a jaw-dropping moment. Were their eyes deceiving them? Can you imagine them rubbing their eyes and taking another look and seeing if what they were seeing was real? And then looking at each other and wondering, questioning each other, are we really seeing this? Is this really happening? And so to confirm what they were seeing and to recenter their thoughts to the great commission that Jesus had just given them, God sends two of his heavenly angels to bring their thoughts back to earth. Two angels are sent from heaven to confirm where Jesus has gone to and from where he will return. This is what the angels said again. Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking at the sky? In other words, Don't be mesmerized, don't be perplexed or dismayed or disheartened about Jesus leaving you to go to heaven. There are things for you to do here on earth. So turn your attention back to earth, to the commission that you've just been given. Let's get cracking. You've got a job to do and it's here on earth, not in the clouds of heaven to where you've just seen Jesus depart. But rest assured, Jesus will return in the same way that you have just seen him leave. The angel said, this same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you've seen him go into heaven. What a comfort those words must have been to those 11 disciples. And what a great comfort those words are to us today. The angels make sense of what the disciples 
have just witnessed. The disciples, because of what the angels explained, they can now testify accurately to what they have seen and heard. And isn't that what testimony is all about? Even in a court of law as we know it today. When you testify, you testify about what you have seen and heard. And the disciples' testimony of that ascension of Jesus, what they saw and heard, as recorded by Luke in the book of Acts, confirms Jesus' first promise that he would go to heaven, go to the Father to prepare a place for us. But far more than that, the apostles' testimony of the ascension of, the ascension of Jesus into heaven confirms the fact that Jesus keeps his promises. Jesus' first promise that he would go to heaven to prepare a place for us. And if Jesus kept his first promise to go to heaven to prepare a place for us, then that can give us absolutely every confidence to be sure, to believe and trust that Jesus' second promise of returning for us to to come back and take us to be with him, that Jesus is going to do that also. Jesus is coming soon, even if it seems a long time coming. And the return of Jesus perhaps does seem a long time coming, according to our reckoning, our human thinking. And that's one of the reasons that the, the thought of Jesus' return, the thought of Jesus coming on the clouds can sometimes recede into the back of our consciousness and thinking. I wonder when you last thought and contemplated the return of Jesus coming on the clouds to be revealed in blazing glory. It seems such a long time coming. And 2,000 years might seem a long time for Jesus' second promise to come back for us to be fulfilled, especially when he said to John in the book of Revelations that he's coming soon. But, you know, we've got to remember that God's first promise to Abraham for a saviour to bless all the nations of the world took 2,000 years to be fulfilled in the birth of Jesus Christ. And now it's been 2,000 years since Jesus stood on the Mount of Olives and ascended into heaven. But if we're to face reality, there's still work to be done to fulfill that great commission. Jesus said that before he left that the gospel would be preached to all nations. Or more accurately, from the Greek of the New Testament, Jesus says that the gospel will be preached to all ethnic groups in the world. And there's still many ethnic groups in the world who have not heard the good news of the gospel in their own language. So it shouldn't come as any surprise that Jesus is still delaying his return. Jesus has time on his hands to fulfill his his promise. He's got time on his hand to fulfill his purposes of salvation, not wanting anyone to perish. A thousand years is like a day. Listen listen to how the Apostle Peter put it in 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 8 to 14. What about Jesus' promise to return 
to take us to be with him. What about that promise? But do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise. That's the second promise to return, to take to be with him. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. How do you understand the slowness of that promise? Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire, and the earth and everything done in it will be laid bare. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you as you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming? That day will bring about the destruction of the heavens by fire and the elements will melt in the heat. But in coming with his promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells. So then, dear friends, since you are looking forward to this, make every effort to be found spotless, blameless, and at peace with him. We think Jesus is a long time coming, do we? We think 2,000 years is a long time. Well, 2,000 years is like two days to Jesus. Jesus is coming back. That's his promise. And Jesus keeps his promises. So we need to get excited and remind ourselves that Jesus is coming back and he's coming back soon. We need to get excited about that. We may be waiting, but while we wait, there are a few things that we should be doing. I'm not going to go into any great detail, but I'm just going to leave these four thoughts with you. Four things that we should be doing while we wait for Jesus to return. The Apostle Peter gives us these four reasons. Firstly, we should live holy and live a life devoted and obedient to God. And we can do this by the power of God's Holy Spirit living in us and by God's word living in us as we read it. Not just being readers or hearers of the word, but being doers of the word. That's the gospel culture. Second, we can look forward to that day. And I want to get excited about looking forward to that day again, that Jesus is coming back on the clouds. And we can do this with anticipation and eagerness and confidence based on believing the apostles' testimony that we've read and heard today from the Apostle John and Luke. Let's get excited that Jesus is coming again soon. Thirdly, we can speed his coming. You think it's a long time him coming? Well, we can speed his return. We can speed him coming back. And how can we do that? By participating in the Great Commission. 
excuse me, by sharing the gospel and helping with the preaching of the gospel to all ethnic groups across the world we are able. And lastly, the Apostle Paul, as we wait to make every effort to be found spotless, blameless, and at peace with him. And there's only one way that we can achieve this. And, and this is where it gets very personal. It's the point where each one of us has to make the decision to put our faith in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of our sins. And that might be for the very first time if you're on the journey of spiritual truth or for those of us who've been on that journey and accepted Jesus' sacrifice for the forgiveness of our sins. Then for us, it's a matter of maintaining our faith in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of our sin. Not wavering, not stumbling, not falling away, but keeping our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith, so that we can be found spotless, blameless and at peace with him. I just remind you, as we close, the Apostle Paul wrote in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, Jesus will be revealed from heaven with blazing fire with his powerful angels on the day he comes to be glorified in his holy people, that's you and me, and all who believe across the world, and to be marveled at among all those who have believed. And this includes you. This includes you. Because you have believed our testimony to you. This includes you. You and I. Because we have believed the apostles' testimony to us. May this be true for each one of us. Each day as we maintain our faith in Jesus Christ. And look forward with great expectation, anticipation that Jesus is coming again on the clouds in blazing fire with his powerful angels to be glorified in us and marveled at by us. What an amazing time and day to look forward to. Be excited. Be encouraged. Remind yourself each day that Jesus is coming back. That's his promise. And Jesus keeps his promises. Let's pray and, and give thanks for the word of God to us this morning. Heavenly Father, we just thank you that you are with us this morning, that you have made us for yourselves, that you've given us your word to encourage us. And we thank you for the apostles' testimony to us, that we can stand firm in faith on that testimony today. Even 2,000 years later, as we await for your son to be revealed uh, in blazing fire with his powerful angels to be glorified us and marveled at by us who believe. We thank you for that great hope and we look forward to that day. May we continue to be kept by your word and your spirit to live holy and godly lives that please you. And may we speed the coming of that day by sharing the good news of the gospel with our neighbours.
maintaining our faith in Jesus Christ so that we can be found spotless, blameless and at peace with him on the day he comes and returns to take us to be with him. God, we thank you for the certainty of that day. We look forward to that day with great anticipation, with great hope and give you thanks for its coming. In Jesus' name, amen.